turn with me, if you would, uh, this morning as we may be enabled to the book of Judges, chapter 3. <clears throat> the book of Judges, chapter 3. And uh, we may take as our, our text, verse 27. And it came to pass when he was come that he blew a trumpet in the mountain of Ephraim. And the children of Israel went out, went down with him from the mount, and he before them. We're looking at the second of the seven great judges that you find, the seven major judges that you find in the book of Judges, the second of them being Ehud. We live in a, a world that is full of decay. Things go from the higher to the lower. Now, evolution that people believe in today, they, they believe it's the very opposite. That the world was simply brought into existence by a bang. And out of that, things have progressed upwards. Things have progressed in a positive way. Out of that big bang came life. The probability of that is, is so extreme that it's almost impossible to believe that. But not only did you have life, you then had intelligent life, which once again is so incredible as to be simply unbelievable. But nevertheless, people believe it. And now we have the earth, uh, apparently four billion years old, the length of time is getting longer all the time because when I was young, it was 200 million years old. But when people get used to that, you need something that uh, is a wee bit more impact. So it's now 4 billion years and no doubt there'll be 40 billion and 400 billion, 400 billion years. 4 billion years. And you would have thought that in 4 billion years of the existence of, of this earth, Mother Nature would have faced everything and would have been able to overcome everything. In four billion years, Mother Nature will have confronted every problem you can think of. But apparently not, because now man has overcome Mother Nature and the world needs man to save it. We need uh, the Green Party to save us all, because man himself, by you driving your car here today or you're heating your home with oil, all of a sudden, Mother Nature is overcome after four billion years by puny man. Of course, all of that is nonsense. Because all the evidence proves that the earth does not progress from the lower to the higher, evolve better. Everything that you see tells you that the world actually is going the opposite way. It has come from a creation that was good. And since then, it has, uh, in time, uh, deteriorated. And if man stopped doing what he's doing, it would continue to de deteriorate, uh, deteriorate. Now, you might ask yourself, what's this got to do with our text? Well, what is true in nature, in, as you see all around you, is also true spiritually. Man deteriorates. Man has been brought into a state of sin and misery. And there is a deterioration that continues to take place because of that. 
You see it in the 400 years of the judges. In the book of Judges, you have 400 years, and in that time, you have seven major judges, beginning with Othniel, ending with Samson. And what is, the, what is it that's written over that 400 years? It's deterioration. Even though the Lord will bless Israel, at times the, 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 the children of Israel will turn to the Lord and he will bless them. But then they fall away again. And then he will bless them again. They will fall away again. But every time there's a deterioration. There's not only a deterioration in Israel, there's a deterioration even in the judges that are, that are raised. The best of the judges, of the seven great judges through this period, the best of them is the first, Othniel, whom we are told is filled with the Spirit, and he simply goes out and destroys God's people. You go right down them all, and they all deteriorate until you come to Samson himself, who was taken up with women. And yes, he destroyed Philistines at the end of his day. But you compare Samson to Othniel, and you will discover that Othniel is a far superior judge because everything is deteriorating. And you see that even in the last 400 years in our own nation. Go back 400 years just now, and our nation met in Westminster and brought forth the Westminster Confession of Faith and the Westminster Documents. Great time, wasn't it? We now have a confession of faith and a worship that will be uniform throughout the whole of England, Scotland, Ireland, and Wales. England and Wales didn't go that way, but Scotland and Ireland did. Presbyterian Scotland had one confession and one way of worship, along with Northern Ireland. What a great blessing. Where are we today? Is it not the case that in our, our day and generation, things have deteriorated? Yes, there have been blessings in between. There were wonderful blessings in the 1800s when these islands were turned from darkness and Romanism to the Lord Jesus Christ. But yet, in our nation, there has been, similar to Israel, during the time of the judges, a falling away, falling away, falling away. That's true in a nation. It can be true in a denomination. And it can be true in the individual Christian. It can be true in any one of us. We want to look today at the judge, the second of the judges. That is Ehud. And I want to look at three points. Serving Eglon, serving Eglon, the king of Moab, serving Eglon, and then secondly, serving God, and then thirdly, following Ehud. Serving Eglon, serving God, following Ehud. Let us then look at serving, serving Eglon the king of Moab. What do we notice with the enemies of God's people? Well, you notice this enemy is different to the one that Othniel had to confront. Othniel was confronting, and the first of the judges was confronting the Canaanites. 
that were left in the land. And there were five of them in particular kings that were against Othniel. You come to Ehud, and he has three kings. King of Moab, the Amalekites, and the, uh, the, 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 the Amalekites, and the uh, Ammonites. You see, God's people in another world full of, en- full of enemies. We live in a day when the enemies of the cause of the Lord Jesus Christ are very vocal. They raise their voices. When you go back to Othniel, you discover that these kings are actually named, the five kings of the Canaanites. And then you have, uh, you, then you have, have the king of Moab, Eglon. What does that tell us? My friend, it tells you this, know your enemy. Know your enemy. Young people in this building today, you're in your class and you're, maybe the day will come when you'll leave this island, you will go to university or you will go to college or you will take a job. My friend, know your enemy. You say you don't have any enemies. You don't have anybody that's your enemy. My friend, you have the biggest enemy of all. The, the, the devil is the enemy of your soul. The devil is the enemy of your soul, and you need to know who your enemy is. Othniel was, uh, knew exactly who the enemies that he had to face. The children of Israel dwelt among the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. Know your enemy. Because the great enemy of your soul, the devil, goes about like a roaring lion seeking to devour you. Seeks to devour every one of us. We need to know who our enemy is. And sometimes the enemy is is outside there. Sometimes the enemy is like the Canaanites. All these different peoples that are out there. But Ehud had a different sort of enemy to, 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 to confront. He had three in particular that he had to, he had to, to, to confront. And you will notice with them, the children of Israel did evil again in the sight of the Lord, and the Lord strengthened Eglon, the king of Moab, and, and also Ammon and, the, and Amalek. Three different people that the children of Israel had to confront. And what was particular about these three sets of people? It was that they were related to the children of Israel very closely. There were no nations that were as related to God's people as the Moabites, the Amalekites, and the Amorites. The Moabites and the uh, Amorites were descended from Lot. Remember how Lot, when he was up in the mountain and he was given the choice to go to the mountain or to go down into the plains, he looked at the plains and he thought, that's where I want to be, down in the plains. What do you find? The next thing you find him sitting at the gates of Sodom. And then you discover 
that he's actually in Sodom. Lot, the Moabites and the Ammonites were the descendants of Lot. My friend, there is no, no greater enemy for God's people than the world, the things of the world that will seek to take you away from the Lord Jesus Christ. The things of this world that, that the world is so taken up with, that perish with the using. Lot was saved simply by God's grace. He was taken out of there. But here are the descendants of Lot. Now the enemies once again of God's people. And there was another Lot, the Amalekites. They're not the descendants of Lot. They're the descendants of Esau. The Amalekites are direct descendants from Esau. See how closely these three peoples are to God's people. The Amalekites, the same Esau, who sold his birthright for a mess of pottage. And now these descendants are back again. They are plaguing Israel. And why are these kings now able to plague Israel? Because Israel, God's people, had turned their back on the Lord. You turn your back on the Lord and you open yourself up to all these evils, even evils that are close to you, even the, the evils of the world, the flesh and the devil. We're also told, you know, as well, just in passing, that sometimes the greatest enemy of God's cause are those who are formerly with them. You can go back, for example, into Roman Catholicism. Don't be deceived. Roman Catholicism is of the devil. Very closely related to the church. But don't be deceived. It's like the descendants of Esau, the descendants of Lot, very closely related, but yet the enemies of God's people. Ehud had a particular job when he was confronting these. And what happened when the Lord's people departed from the Lord and did evil before the Lord and these enemies came in. Why? What was all that? That wasn't freedom. They are now for 18 years in bondage. They're in bondage. God's people are in bondage. Why? Because they've turned their backs upon the Lord. They go after the things of the world. Like Esau. They sell the, 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 the gospel. You come to our land and you come to the church. How much of the church, the visible church that passes for the visible church, has sold the gospel? And it's nothing but worldly. I mean, you go down that road. The Lord forsakes Israel. And for 18 years, Israel was in bondage. People today think that freedom is the freedom to live as you please. 
It's not. That's not freedom. That's man in bondage. What is true freedom? True freedom is when God's people turn and cry unto the Lord. When they cry unto him in the day of the distress. 18 years they're now in bondage to the world. 18 years they're now doing service to Eglon. They're serving this king. Look at how fat this king is. Look at how fat he is. That's the way the world is. You look at the world and you think to yourself, the world is fat. The world is where you're prosper. My friend, it's not. The children of Israel had to come to recognize that they were in bondage. And my friend, are you today in bondage to the world, the flesh, and the devil? Are you serving the world, the flesh, and the devil? Well, my friend, what you need to do is to come to know and to realize true freedom. What true freedom is. What true freedom is. I spoke to a man in the ferry coming over yesterday. Very nice man. I said to him, do you go to church? Let's go to church. I used to, he said. used to go to church. But he said, I, 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 I had a problem around the house with water flooding the house. And it was raining every day. The only day I could go out and dig the trench was in the Lord's day. He knew about the Lord's day. He raised that, not me. He says, was I right to do that? I said, well, I said, I wouldn't do it. Because perhaps the Lord is bringing that to you to ask you, which do you, who do you serve and who do you love the most? Do you love your house, your garden, or do you love the Lord? I says, remember the Ten Commandments. Love the Lord thy God and thy neighbor as thyself. The children of Israel forsook the Lord. And it took them 18 years in bondage before they turned and they cried out to the Lord. The consequences of sin, serving uh, Eglon. But then we have the second thing, serving the Lord. They came to Eglon. Do you know what, what the, the children of Israel were doing here? The children of Israel came to Eglon with a present. Perhaps they thought they could pacify this great king. Perhaps they thought they could buy his favor. You notice that, that uh, Ehud, uh, when, when he, 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 they brought up, Ehud made him a dagger, but he brought the present. They, they, the children of Israel cried unto the Lord, and they raised them up a deliverer. Uh, and the, the children of, uh, and by him the children of Israel sent a present unto Eglon, the king of Moab. Moab. You know, I think what we are being taught here is that you can bring a present to Ehud, but uh, to, to Eglon, but that's not going to that's not going to win favors, is it? The church today can try and and you think you might try and and buy the favor of the world, my friend, you'll never do that. You'll, you'll never buy the favor of the world. There is enmity between the seed of the woman and the seed of the serpent. There is enmity between the two. The two do not walk and cannot walk together. 
You might think to yourself that you can walk and buy the favor of God and buy the favor of the world. You can't do that. You can't do that. What do you need to do? Eglon is needing to be put to death, not bought. Eglon is needing to, that the, the, the enemy of God's people is needing to be dealt a blow that he can't recover from. If you're here today and you think that you can live in the world and placate the world and yet serve God at the same time, you can't. The children of Israel sent a present to Eglon. Perhaps they thought this, this would find favor with, with this king. Perhaps they could buy it with silver and gold. My friend, you'll never buy that with silver and gold. Choose ye this day whom ye will serve. Will you continue to serve Eglon? Or will you serve the Lord? That was the question. And how gracious God is that when the children of Israel cried unto the Lord, he raised up for them a deliverer. Time and time again, they didn't deserve it. What the Lord's people deserved was that they would be cast off from him, that he would cast them away. Because time and time again, they, 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 they return to their old sins. They never seem to learn. God could have cast them off. But my friend, how gracious God is. How gracious God is to his people. He doesn't forget the covenant promise he has given to them. God has promised them a Messiah. And the children of Israel will remain there right down through the, the ages until the Messiah comes from Judah. Now, we know immediately that Ehud is not the Messiah. Why? Because he's of the tribe of Benjamin. We're told that. He's a Benjamite. He's not going to be the ultimate savior. Ehud may give a temporal deliverance to the children of Israel by the hand of God. And it's not even, it is not even Ehud that brings that deliverance. It's the hand of the Lord that delivers God's people. He is one that is raised up by the Lord to deliver God's people out of the hand of the king of Moab the Amalekites and the Amorites. See how they had these, these, uh, these uh, kings had come in and they came and they, 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 were, they were able to take the city uh, of uh, trees, the, the city of palm trees, verse 13. They the, 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 you, you discover in verse 13 that they gathered unto him the children of Ammon and Amalek, and they went and they smote us and possessed the city of palm trees. That city of palm trees is Jericho. The very first city that the children of Israel had their victory over when they circled that city and the walls fell down. God's glorious deliverance was set before them. And now the very city the very first city that they, they vanquished has now been taken by the Moabites. Ah, you see, how subtle the devil is. How wicked the devil is. 
but the children of Israel called out to the Lord. And my friend, you might be here today and you might find yourself under conviction of sin. My friend, how glorious it is when you're brought under conviction of sin. When you're brought to know that you're a hell-deserving sinner. I remember a man in Sky. He went through a terrible time of conviction of sin. That conviction of sin began when he went to a service. And he listened to a preacher preaching. And all of a sudden it hit him that he was a sinner and, and he would fall into the hands of an angry God. I was there the night that sermon was preached. The preacher who preached that sermon is in, in here today. It wasn't me. He preached a sermon and that man became under conviction and for, for weeks. That man was in a terrible state. And people were saying, young people, oh, come on, you need to get out of this. You know, I was rejoicing. Because the man was under conviction of sin. And he's now crying out to the Lord. Lord, save us. Lest I perish. And he was converted. He was brought into the liberty of the gospel. It's not wonderful. God hears the prayers of his people when they cry out to him. And the children of Israel cried out here. Because even Jericho itself, the walls that had fallen down, had now been taken. That city had now been captured. And to where were they going to go? They could only go to the Lord. And the Lord heard their voice. And he raised up a deliverer. He raised him up. He might be the last man that you would ever think the Lord would raise up. Ehud, who is he? He's a Benjamite. He's left-handed indicates that he's, there's probably something wrong with his right hand. Who knows? You see, the Lord, the Lord doesn't need me or you to do a mighty work. The Lord might use a child coming with loaves and fishes. And as the Lord has that young child coming with loaves and fishes, he can bless the loaves and fishes. Doesn't need you, doesn't need me. He can use anyone. He can use a young maid in, in Israel to the curing of Naaman, a young girl. The Lord can use mightily God's people. But what courage he had had. What courage he had, didn't he? Ehud was a courageous man. You imagine him coming with the present to this king, the king of Moab. And in these days, the king of Moab would say the word and he would be dead like that. The children of Israel have been oppressed by this man. The children of Israel have been, have been in bondage to this man. And Ehud, the man of God, gives the present, goes to turn everyone else's away, he turns back. Because he knows that present to this king is not enough. Only death would deliver God's people. What a courageous man he is. 
And as he turns back, he says, I have a message from you. And he slays him there and then. My friend, the church is a message, doesn't it? The church is a message for the world today. You will, you will fall into the hands of an angry God. And you may today think that you can stand. And you may think today that you can divide, defy the Almighty. But my friend, one day you are going to fall into his hands and you will, you will perish. Repent. Repent and believe the gospel. Lest you perish from the way. Kiss the Son. Lest in his ire you perish from the way. Ehud had a message for this king, Eglon. And then following Ehud. Everything we've said so far indicates to us that God would raise up a deliverer when the children of Israel cried. The Lord would not forget his covenant promise. He would deliver his people. But my friend, Eglon is killed. Ehud then leaves there, and he comes into the, and cries to the, to, to, to the children of Israel, blow the trumpet. Let the trumpet now give a certain sound that God's people will gather together and God's people will put to flight the enemy. There were 10,000, isn't it? 10,000, it says, that, the, that were of the... In, in every respect, the children of Israel should have been destroyed. 10,000 coming against them. Valiant men, we are told. Men of great valor. Not one of them left standing. You see, what God can do for his people, what God can do for his people, destroying 10,000, and all he who does is blow the trumpet. He, he, he blows the trumpet. And as he blows the trumpet, uh, 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 when he was come, he blew a trumpet in the mountains of Ephraim, and the children of Israel went down with him from the mount and him before. He went before them. He wasn't going to go and say, you go down and I'll wait here. He went before them because he knew it was the Lord's cause. He went before. He says, follow me. Follow me. My friend, isn't it wonderful that the Lord raised up a deliverer in the day of the judges like Ehud? Fearless, knowing that only putting to death the enemy was sufficient. And he then went before the armies of, his, of, of the children of Israel. The trumpet was blown. Follow me. And 10,000 are put to death. And you know, after this, there was 80 years of peace. The longest time of peace recorded for any of the judges. 
80 years. Not wonderful. But for all that, he wasn't the Messiah. He wasn't the Savior. He brought a temporal deliverance to Israel. We started by saying there's a deterioration in this world. You think things get better. Are we not better today than our forefathers? We have cars, we have fridges, we have homes, we have comfort, we have food. Are we better off? Well, do you know that in the last 100 years, the prison population of this country has quadrupled? In 100 years? Half of that has taken place since 1990, in the last 30 years. Are people now known with depression? Depression is a great problem among people, even young people. Do we not have the same problems that our forefathers had? Yes, we do. What's the problem? The problem is that it's a spiritual problem that we have. Not just a psychological problem. It's a spiritual problem. And unless you deal with the spiritual problem, things won't change. People will still be looking to win the lottery so that they can be happy. And then people, when they win the lottery, they discover that it's not what it's supposed to be. People are jealous of other people. People are never satisfied. They've got homes, they've got food, they've got everything. They're still not satisfied. Why? Because it's a spiritual problem. What was wrong with Israel in the day of Ehud? It was that they turned their backs upon the Lord. They had a spiritual problem. And it's only when they came to recognize that they had a spiritual problem that they cried out to the Lord. My friend, you think of all the problems that you may have in your life, and you might think, well, it's this, it's that, the other. It's a spiritual problem. If you're outside of Christ, then you have a spiritual problem. It's your biggest problem. It's a spiritual problem. Now, Ehud was a wonderful. He was the second best of all. The, Othniel was the first. Because it said that he was full of the spirit and he just went out, drew the sword and killed the enemies, all these Canaanites. The second best was Ehud. He was valiant in going out and killing the king of Moab. But none of them were able to bring a true, spiritual, ultimate deliverance. They were all pointing to the fact that there would have to be one who would come, who would not only be full of the Spirit, who would not only be fearless, but would be sinless and would be unique. Not just one who has raised up a man, but one who is the eternal Son of God himself. 
no one other than the eternal Son of God could ever bring a true spiritual deliverance. The judges of the Old Testament, even King David, they could bring temporal deliverances. God would bless them. They would be delivered. But there again, you go back down again, and once again, the same thing happens. What was needed? The Messiah, the Christ of God, is what was needed. And my friend, that's true of you. That's true of me. That's true of the congregation. That's true of our denomination. What do we need? We need Christ. We need the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the deliverer. He is the one who comes into this world. The eternal Son of God. And we don't need today to raise a dagger to kill Eglon. Because the victory has already been won for us. The Lord said to Peter, put down your sword. You may slay Malchus, you may slay these men, but that's only a temporal reprieve. What you need is for one to have the victory over all your enemies, even death itself. Eglon, Ehud couldn't do that. Othniel couldn't do that. Deborah, the next of the judges, couldn't do that. Gideon couldn't do that. Samson couldn't do that. Christ alone is the one whom God has sent into this world as the Savior. The one who has slain all his and our enemies. He brings his enemies even, subdues them to himself. He brings them into his kingdom. He subdues them. By his word and by his spirit, the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, he slays his enemies. My friend, is that not a wonderful gospel? <clears throat> Ehud, after he had slain Eglon the king, he comes out and goes up onto a mountain and he blows the trumpet. Here is the sound. Let God's people gather together. My friend, is that not what we do today? We blow the trumpet. That trumpet sound is the gospel sound. We blow the trumpet of the gospel. And let not the trumpet give an uncertain sound as they call to the battle. Let us know whom we have believed. Let us believe in him, trust in him, call upon him, for he will deliver his people. And he won't deliver them for, as Othniel did for, 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 uh, 18 years, I think, was it? And then for, for uh, 80 years under the auspices of Ehud. What is 80 years in comparison to eternity? The Lord Jesus Christ is the deliverer who delivers his people out of the bondage of sin. He 
uh, strikes the blow against the Canaanites, the Philistines, the Moabites, those who are nearest to us, the, the Moabites, the Amalekites, the Amorites. Christ, the great deliverer of his people. Have you ever come to cry out to him, Lord, help me. I perish. Lord, help me. I perish. And I know, Lord, that thou art the only Savior to whom I can come. And I'm encouraged to come because in the time of 400 years of the judges, every time the Lord's people called out to him, he answered their prayer. He sent a deliverer. And you know the great prayer of all the saints of the Old Testament? Do you know what they were looking for? They were looking for the coming of the Messiah. When Ezekiel was told that Jerusalem was going to be destroyed, he was somewhat distraught. How could Jerusalem be destroyed? And I don't believe it was just because Jerusalem was the city of Israel. What was the great concern of Ezekiel was, if Jerusalem is destroyed, what about the Messiah? But the Lord says, don't worry. You will go down into Babylon, but I'll go with you. And I will be with you there as a, a little sanctuary down in Babylon. Then I'll bring you back and you'll build Jerusalem again. That was fine. God is gracious, merciful, long-suffering, slow to wrath. Call upon him and he hears and he will deliver, not by an Ehud, not by a Samson, but one who is greater than them all. One who is greater than Moses. One who is greater than Abraham. One who is greater than them all. Jesus Christ, God's Son, the great deliverer of his people. Let us join together in prayer. Let us pray. Most gracious and ever blessed Lord, we pray that thou would bless each one of us. Draw us with the cords of thy love. We thank thee that we have the encouragement given to us that even when thy people sinned, when they called upon thee, thou raised up a deliverer, even Ehud. The children of Israel brought into bondage through the king of Moab, brought into bondage because of their sin. They had sinned against the Lord again, and they had done evil in his sight. Therefore, they were brought down into the bondage of Moab of the king of Moab, Eglon. But we thank thee that when, thou, when they, they cried to thee, thou, thou raised up a deliverer, even Ehud, a man who was fearless, a man who knew what it was to slay the enemy, a man who knew what it was to blow the trumpet. Lord, we thank thee that the Lord Jesus Christ is the one who has come into this world, the one who came in and destroyed by the cross the enemies of his people. 
We thank thee that, that at the cross there is the victory over the world, the flesh, and the devil. Even the death itself gives up its power. We thank thee that the enemy is disarmed. Now is the prince of this world cast out. And we thank thee that thy kingdom would come and that thy will would be done on earth, even as it is in heaven. Bless us now, pardon us our sins, for Jesus' sake. Amen.